people will not work to understand your message. You have to work to be understood. And I think that's, that's a lot, that's very much true in, in uh, remote selling situations. Hey everyone, it's Tom here on the Selling in Asia podcast. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. I'm thrilled to have with us here today, we've got Steve Benson. So a little bit about Steve. He's the founder and CEO of Badger Maps. Now, after receiving his MBA from Stanford, Steve was Google Enterprise's top sales executive in 2009. And then in 2012, Steve founded Badger Maps, a software company that helps field salespeople optimize their routes and schedules to save time and be on time so they can sell more. Steve's also the host of the Outside Sales Talk podcast, where he interviews industry experts on their top sales tips. So we are thrilled to have with us today, Steve Benson. Hey, Steve, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So let's just jump right in. So something that we keep hearing about uh, these days in particular is how important it is for leaders to communicate in a crisis. So I'm wondering, what are some thoughts that you have around communication in these times? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little hackneyed at this point, but communication is so important. Um, you know, people, your, your team, your employees, they want safety and security. And as a business leader, you're responsible for the base layer of people's pyramid of needs, right? Like the money they pay for food in their home with, their health care, and, and ultimately their, their long-term financial security. Um, you're also responsible for things up the pyramid too, their enjoyment of life, um, you know, the wants as opposed to just the needs. But it's, it's a key responsibility in, in difficult times and challenging times to communicate with your, with your employees really clearly and truthfully about where things are at. And this allows them to plan accordingly. Um, and from a productivity perspective, if you don't communicate clearly and truthfully, then your, your people will spend all their time worrying about planning for the worst. So specifically as a sales leader, you want to tell people what is the immediate term plan, the midterm plan and the long term plan and for different ex external factors. Um, you know, so meaning if it's a small recession, we're going to do a, then B, then C. If it's a prolonged recession, we're going to do A, then B, then C. But being really clear will make people more productive and trust you more. And, and it's a really, it's, it's key for great leaders. Yeah, I think communication is, is so important. You know, in, in our business as well, you know, we've got a team of about seven people around the world. And we always made it a point to um, not only have a, a weekly sales team meeting or group meeting where we all come together on, on Zoom, uh, but also we're always having these these mini spin-off meetings throughout the course of the day just to to keep those channels of communication open. what are what are some kind of best practices or ideas that you think? I mean, what what are some tangible things that leaders can do to you know up the level of communication, uh, especially in these times when everybody's you know working remotely? well, I, I think you you want to have daily huddles with your team, um, at least one, maybe two at the same time every single day, you know, start and finish the day or every day to finish the day. Um, you know, we're normally, you, you might not have to do that all the time and you might not have to be so hands-on, but uh, in, in, the, in these times, especially, I think it's really important to bring the team together when they're otherwise working apart 
You want to help keep them focused in on their KPIs and, and help them see how everyone else is doing against their KPIs. Um, you want to help your team share their success stories with one another. What's working? What's not working? Help them get the support and the guidance and the help from their peer group and, and from you through that, that regular communication. Um, you know, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, it's important to, to really uh, cleanly and regularly communicate. I like that. You know, something we've done at, at our company as well is, is letting our team know, you know, exactly where we're at, like exactly where we're at. Full disclosure and transparency around, you know, sales. When's the last time we closed a deal? What, what, what's in the pipeline right now? What are we working on? Uh, all hands on deck, you know, especially in the early days of, um, you know, this situation. We, we rallied the troops. We got everybody together and we said, look, right now you're all in sales. So we all need you guys to support the sales activities and then just kind of checking in with everybody and updating them so that they can feel good. You know, yesterday we closed a nice, you know, sweet five figure deal with a, with a company. And what we did was immediately, I just shared in our, our group chat, we use Slack as a communication tool and let them know, Hey, we just closed this deal and it's thanks to the efforts of everybody on the team. So just as an example to get people to feel like, yeah, communication's flowing all over the place. And, and we're all in this together. So I think the, the points that you make around communication, especially now, are super important. So something else that we're seeing, Steve, is that you know, businesses are constantly under pressure to reduce their costs. I mean, that's just a fact. And in fact, uh, many boards and CEOs may start looking at the high expense of outside sales and enablement as a way to uh, reduce costs. So look, if, if you're a VP of sales, and you're being told to reduce costs right now, uh, how do you approach it? Well, first thing, I, I don't view salespeople as an expense. I view them as the, the source of revenue and, and the lifeblood of the business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, the, uh, that being said, a, uh, a VP of sales can be approached by their CEO and told to reduce the expense from the team. Um, a, a few thoughts, I guess I have there first, it's, if there is fat at the bottom of the team, uh, meaning there's, there's players that you could have, or maybe should have let go of before now's, now's a great time to do now's that. Um, if there's the bottom 10% of your team isn't really performant and isn't, isn't a great fit. Maybe they're, they've been a low, low performer for a while. Uh, maybe they are a new rep that hasn't scaled or isn't scaling the way you wanted them to, um, this is obviously, if, if you get told to reduce cuts, that's the first place to look. But if you are, if you have to go deeper than that, and you know, a lot of a lot of great sales managers would already say, no, there's no fat on my team. If there was, I would have already replaced them with with stronger players. Wrong. If 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 you don't have easy choices, and they're going to be hard choices, you you either have to um, fire good people who you really don't want to fire, and long term, you'd rather if you you would have wanted on your team or two um, lowering salaries and costs across the board evenly. And these are both bad options. Um, you know, if you're gonna do layoffs, uh, you wanna do it all at once. I, I guess that's kind of a rule of thumb, you know, because prolonged cuts and just, you know, just getting rid of one person at a time, it really can be tough on mor morale and, and keeps people from being focused because they're always worried, looking over their shoulder, hey, am I next? You know, what's happening next? Um, 
but the you know um, I would say that the COVID economic crisis is different than than maybe layoffs would have been in the a, a year ago if a company was just under tough times I would have said definitely like you if your company is undergoing tough times and the rest of the economy is good do not do one tiny cut at a time because you know you're going to ruin morale and and everyone's going to want to go everyone good will go somewhere else eventually if you ruin morale so but this is a little different because there there probably aren't as many places for people to go so. Um, maybe incremental change would be, maybe you can get away with it a little more than you normally could have. Um, the other thing is sales teams are accustomed and able to take pressure and, uh, and, and better than a lot of other parts of the organization. Um, the other thing here is that things could pop back quickly and almost, you know, seemingly randomly, you know, where it's like, Oh, things were really bad. And now for some industries, they'll experience a V shaped return, you know, maybe you're selling beer to bars and one day you were selling a lot of beer, then now, now then you were selling none because all the bars were closed, then the bars become open again and you're selling a lot of beers. It's a very, it can be a very V-shaped recovery, whereas for other, for other industries, you know, yours might be more U-shaped and you should kind of uh, uh, alter your behavior based on that and take that into account. Now, on lowering salaries, there's an important thing to keep in mind there as well. I would recommend to lower people's bases. If you have to lower salaries and you, you know, that's the, that's the, you, you're keeping everyone or keeping what you, who you can, but you're making the team less expensive by lowering salaries. I would focus on the base, not the bonus, because if you, fo if you lower the bonus, then you're really lowering the incentive to sell. Sure. Whereas a lot of, it can be your instinct to lower the bonus instead of the base because you're like, well, I mean, it's a bonus. I didn't really need it. So we're going to cut, we're going to kill that and put, but keep the base. Then you take away the incentive to sell. And so, 100%. Uh, and, and, and your best reps also, they care more about the base or the bonus than the base anyway, because that's where they are making their most money. So the people you really want to keep around might shrug it shrug when you talk about the base and say, yeah, but I'm killing it on the bonus. That's what I, that's what I'm, I'm here for anyway. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I see I see this situation that we're in as uh, <laughs> a great experiment in finding out, you know, who are your top performers. You know, it really is a great exercise that unfortunately we've been forced into doing it, um, but better late than never. I, I think all organizations have to take a look around and see, hey, do we need to trim the fat? If so, where? You know, Steve, I love what you say about, of course, uh, you know, your sales team should not be seen as a, an expense. Uh, it's not a cost center like other departments. It's a revenue generating department. So you got to make sure that everyone on your team has got the tools and resources they need and they need to be doubling down on their efforts. If, if anything, if a CEO came to me as a VP of sales and said that I needed to start cutting costs, I'd say, I hope I'm the last department you're talking to. I really do. I hope you've been talking to other people and they've done all they can and now we're the last resort. Um, definitely don't go to sales first. And I love what you say about, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't trim the commission, of course, right? That's, if you've got good people on your team, they should be only caring about the incentives, really. You know, we've, we've uh, interviewed candidates that kind of complained a little bit about a low base. And I'm like, why are you even looking at the base? I'm hoping that you're going to be the kind of sales rep that's going to crush that and it will be a moot point. It will be a non-issue and you should be 100% commission if you're doing the right thing. So I think this is a great exercise. You know, I'm doing a little rant here, but when I see companies going out of business and laying people off and they're asking for 
handouts from the government to try to keep them afloat. These are not companies that just started struggling during this challenge. They've been on the downward trend for years and some of them decades, and they're just using this as an excuse to, uh, to try to get some funding to recover. So I think this is a, a great uh, exercise in you know, Darwinian economics, for lack of a better term. And uh, not only will the strong survive, but the most adaptable. So I think um, that's, that's 100% where we need to look. Yeah, Speaking well, if you ever, if you ever wanted a, if you ever wanted a great excuse, you now have have the best one of all time. So, <laughs> you do. You've got a great excuse, you know, unless they've got bosses like you and me, right? Because uh, we we can see right through it. You know, something I tell leaders all the time is never hire sales staff during an upturn, because anybody yeah. can anybody can sell when people are buying. That's easy, and then you're just an order taker. I'm looking at adding people to my team right now. And that's how we see who actually can sell when so-called nobody's buying. I mean, so th this is the true test, man. If you can get people performing right now, they can, they can crush it when times are good. Yeah, well, and, and the people may surprise you in this time, right? Like your, your best performer three months ago isn't necessarily going to be your best performer in the next three months because different people are, are geared for good times than, and certain people are, are more geared for bad times. So. That's a good point, you know, and you've got some reps that are really good at closing the opportunities that are in front of them or they're great farmers. And then you've got some that are just great hunters, great prospectors, and maybe they've been waiting for a situation like this to, to showcase their skills, eh? Yeah, and, you know, sometimes you need to change the structure of your team in times like this. Maybe you had hunters and farmers, but um, now a lot of the farmers have extra time on their hands because they've they've lost some customers or your current customer's business is down and so they have fewer needs and are taking less time from your farmers to, to keep, to farm the revenue out of them. But that's a time to restructure and move some farmers back into hunting roles. You know, but there's an argument to be said that everyone needs to be hunting right now because everyone's um, time, you know, everyone has a little extra time to, to do some hunting and in mm -hmm. comp plans, have to change as well if, if you are moving someone into more of a hunter role. Um, you know, I, I read a survey that um, right before coronavirus, a third of all salespeople um, uh, do not pro, do not prospect at all, and you know they just re, you know they're just reacting to mm -hmm. the, the leads, marketing, etc. Are our provider and providing, and this this is a this is a time that we have to dig deeper than that, and uh, you know. It, it's uh, you don't want to you want to make excuses and you want to rationalize you want to uh, there there are these great excuses to not succeed right now but the, the best people will do great right now and uh, it, but I think if you do have that fire and you still do want to win it's a time that you have to dig deeper it's harder it's a harder time I love it Steve that's awesome so of course sellers are working from home uh, prospects and customers are working from home so. How do you lead your sellers to succeed in this new remote selling environment? Well, I mean, there, there's a, obviously a big movement towards uh, selling remotely and selling over Zoom, and, and we, could, we, we could have an hour-long conversation just on the tip, tips and tricks on how to sell, <laughs> sell over Zoom better. Um, but I think, you know, you, you want to, to step back from the, the more tactical, strategically, you want to, you want to look for ways that you can add value to your customers, even during these times. Um, you know, 
depending on your customer's industry, some of your customers may have literally no money, um, but maybe you can get creative and run a tab with them and, until they're able to get up and running and their revenue fr- flowing again. Um, people will, will remember the favors you do for them. They'll remember the, who's there for them when they needed when they needed it. And for a lot of people, it's just going to be a short term closure and then they'll be able to pop back up. Um, you know, there, uh, there are cases where people continuing on with, with, uh, business as usual just is not going to happen for a little while. Um, and you just, you can't squeeze blood from a rock necessarily. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when, when people are in a tough situation, there are still things, you, still ways you can work for people, still things you can do with them. And those are in the toughest situations. I think, I think for some, in some industries is more just of an objection or a not now, or people want to wait. Um, but in real tough situations, you also have to look for pivots. And this is, this is obviously an industry by industry. If you, if you sell beer to bars, the bars aren't buying any beer right now, but maybe, maybe you can pivot and create relationships with apartment buildings that you can drop off cases of beer to, um, you know, maybe you can get them to announce to your mailing list, Hey, hmm. this, this company's coming and, and you can, you can make, make orders here and they'll drop off your orders at the front desk. I mean, I, I actually could really use a case of beer right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, and I like what you say, Steve, because even if you look at the case of a bar, and if, you know, sure, a bar doesn't need to buy beer, but if, if I'm a bar owner right now and I'm closed, for example, I'm going to start uh, taking a hard look at my business, right? I'm going to start taking a hard look at my business. I'm going to go, okay, wait a minute. So I don't have customers coming in, you know, day in, day out all the time where I'm, I'm caught being busy in the business. I can take a look and work on the business and you start going, Hey, you know, maybe there are some, some reno projects or improvement projects or design and decor projects that we've been putting on hold for a long time and then start investing in kind of the growth of your business, maybe, right? So then there's opportunities for, you know, contractors, laborers, designers to sell to bars, right? If I'm a bar owner, I might start looking at how do we ramp up our social media strategy? You know, how do we actually make sure that the world knows that we're open when we're open? So then there's opportunities to sell to bar owners around sales and marketing activities. So man, if people are creative, you can, you can start looking at, you know, what, what are the shifts in the businesses and start selling to that? So I think, I think that's great. So you've got a lot of expertise in, in, in field sales, right? Uh, you run a software company for, for field sales people. It's called Badger Maps. So field, field sales people are under a ton of pressure right now, since obviously they can't go into the field. So how do we bridge a gap of having no face-to-face visits, especially when our sales pitch is, based around the customer experiencing the product in person and the product really can't be uh, demoed via video or other methods. I mean, what, what, what do we do? What do, what do field sales reps do now? Well, and there are some really hard stories right here. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of products are best sold in person and anything, anything else that you do is just not going to work as well or isn't going to work long-term, isn't going to be sustainable. So I think, you know, the, the key is to stay productive here, keep generating new sales cycles and moving existing sales cycles downfield, even if you can't demo your product in person when you need to, um, et cetera. You've you got to focus on filling the top of the funnel. Um, you can't just work on the middle and into funnel, de- funnel deals because there's probably a lot of them are stalling and there aren't mm-hmm. enough of them. 
So it's a great time for prospecting. You know, people are answering the phone right now in a way they haven't in years, right? So you got to build more lead lists, build more, uh, find more people to get in front of, get your awareness up in your territory so that you can, you can fill the top of your funnel. Um, build relationships with your ideal customers. Um, working on your social selling skills. I mean, a lot of people that maybe, you know, weren't, uh, weren't checking their LinkedIn profiles very much are now, you know, <laughs> reading the feed. And so you can, you can start engaging with people and, and socially selling to them. If normally you were, you know, outside was best that that's maybe that can still generate some leads. Um, there's a great episode on my podcast. I just, um, talk to somebody, uh, my podcast is outside sales talk and it's specifically about social selling and it's really worth, uh, worth checking out. Um, but I, you know, there's, there's a whole, Is that the episode whole, that you and I did together. <laughs> um, you're thinking of another one. Uh, there are a couple of them. Yeah. The, the one, I don't think we've, we're, we're about to publish the one that you and I did together, but it's not published yet, but that's obviously one to check out. <laughs> um, I just had to throw that in there, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was like my um, favorite episode. I, I loved it. <laughs> Who was that guy? He was a I don't genius. Know. A genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, if only but, I could remember his name, Tom Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. Um, you know, so re- reaching out to your customers and, and uh, surveying them, getting in conversations with them, finding out what their current challenges are, which ones of them have found solutions to those challenges. As, as, a, as a salesperson, you're in a unique position because you are interacting with a whole bunch of a group of people who are all similar. Maybe you sell stuff to dentist offices. And so if you see something that one dentist office, one of your customers is doing well and succeeding at, you know, they're not, they don't necessarily have 150 other dentists to talk to about this great new idea and this way of, you know, this way of keeping their, their, their keeping thing, revenue coming in the door, et cetera. But, but you do. So if you find, if you uncover a great strategy or a great way to do something, you can share it with other people that really that, you know, your customers aren't necessarily competitors with and maybe tangentially, but, um, you know, the, you, you can, you can find ideas and share them with lots of people to, to help them out. And this is a great time to do that, to just create value, even if you're not necessarily getting anything directly out of it. I love that, Steve. I mean, look, this is the time for people to obviously, like you say, uh, you know, top of funnel stuff, try to get some leads in there, some opportunities, and some of them may close now. I mean, I think our listeners would be surprised. Uh, there's a narrative out there where some people are saying, you know, how do you sell when nobody's buying? And I just think that's such bull because obviously a lot of people are buying. Otherwise, we would have nothing. We're buying, right? You're buying. There are certain things that are selling. And even within certain industries that have been hit, there are still some companies that are still selling despite the current challenges. So uh, you, you've got to have this mindset that it's tougher, it's uh, more challenging but there's opportunities out there for those that actually work hard, hustle and, and go after it and create opportunities. You know, you and I have been talking quite a bit. I wrote the book social selling back in 2015 when a lot of people were like, what's social selling? Well, here we are fast forward to 2020 and that's pretty much all you can do. So I'm hoping that a lot of, you know, especially outside sales reps, you know, field reps, they, they need to kind of uh, change their mindset a little bit and go, you know what? maybe social selling um, 
can, can help me close deals when it's time, when we do get a chance to meet face-to-face or maybe you know, do it on, on, on Zoom. Which leads me to this, uh, Steve. It's obviously you know, a bit more challenging and for some it's very difficult to give sales presentations to prospects uh, remotely. And many salespeople usually meet with their customers in person and they, they need to start making the transition to remote selling. So I know that you've run both uh, inside and outside sales teams in the past. So what advice can you give to sellers about presenting over Zoom? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking about making a, a video on just this topic and just posting on YouTube. Um, there's so much here. You know, it's, um, you know, it's very, very different to give sales presentations to prospects remotely than it is face-to-face. And, um, you know, the first, this is a real challenge because many products, the best way to sell them is in person and you're in a real disadvantage if you have to sell it over the phone. But... Can I just jump um, in for a sec, Steve, just real mm-hmm. quick? So j- just so we don't leave that hanging there for some of the, the, the listeners. So what are, what are some of those challenges? Why is it more difficult? So I'm, I'm going to play naive guy. What, why is it more difficult to sell something over Zoom than it is in, in person? And what are some of those products that, that, that might fit into those categories? Well, uh, it's a ton of stuff, right? And a great way to figure out what is by looking at where there are field salespeople right now, because those industries have found the best way to sell and to, to be successful is with a field sales team. If they could have just tossed their product on Amazon, um, they would have. If, if, if they could have sold it over the phone very well, they would, they would already be doing that. You know, people are pretty smart. If, if opening a bunch of stores was a, was a great way to sell this product, then they would already have retail stores. Um, it's, it, you, you see it a lot in industries where um, the relationship is important. That's uh, often like, you know, and I think a part of that is just, you, it's really hard to replicate the connection that you make with a customer in person or um, with a phone call or even with a Zoom. It, it's, uh, it's just hard to make, to, to bridge that gap. You know, people, People thrive off of social interactions and, and uh, you know, real relationships are, uh, real relationships are, are, you know, built kneecap to kneecap a lot of the time. Um, it's easier for them to ghost you over the phone or in Zoom. It's, you know, it's, it's just like it's way easier to, to break up with someone over, over the phone than it is to, uh, to sit down and have a conversation with them, right? Um, but that's, but, you know, it's, it's the... Uh, the, the so I think um, you, you know it's easier just ignore someone, stop replying to their emails, stop than it, than it would be to actually have the conversation or or someone that you do know in person and have that relationship. Um, you know it's 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 harder to gauge how someone actually feels about your product in person. It's harder to to see where the objections are. I think it's it's way harder to identify if it's a complex sale and uh, where the objections are coming from, like if there's four decision makers and maybe you're only talking to one of them, whereas in person, they all would have showed up in the room um, over the phone. You're, you know, one person's not even paying attention. They're distracted by something else. They're doing their emails um, over, you know, at the same time they're on the zoom, et cetera. Um, it's it. And there are ways around a lot of this stuff. But um, in, in the end, a, a lot of these uh, types of situations, it's really challenging to, um, to, uh, to sell 
you know, over the phone or over, over Zoom the same way you could if you were able to sit down with someone. So you've been in field sales your, your whole life. You're used to selling kneecap to kneecap with people. You're sitting down, you're talking to people. Uh, now you're forced to sell remotely. So, I mean, what advice would you have for sellers who are in this situation? What do you got to do now? Okay, so um, first, make it more brief than, than you would. People have a, a shorter attention span if, uh, if they're over Zoom or over the phone than they do in person. So, you know, people start to lose attention after 10 minutes of hearing from the same presenter. If you have more than 10 minutes of content, try to break it up with, you know, questions, asking audience members their opinions, um, things like that. You want to keep things simple on your slides. You want to avoid too many words, graphics, animation. Um, less is definitely more, I think. Uh, and that's a good rule for in-person presentations too, but I think it's especially important in these situations. Um, the less you can rely on slides, the better, the more you can keep it conversational. Uh, I think it's, uh, it can be harder. You can lose the message virtually uh, more easily than you can in person. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I forget whose quote this is, but there's, it's, uh, it's rele more relevant now than ever. Uh, it's something like people will not work to understand your message. You have to work to be understood. And I think that's, that's a lot. That's very much true in, in uh, remote selling situations. The other thing is Zoom fatigue is real, and a lot of people have it right now. I'm just the I think it's uh, it's tiring for people for a lot of psychological reasons to look at that little talking box on your screen um, in a way that you know it's not you know sitting down with someone and breaking bread or chatting is is uh, is is a very human thing. I think yeah. that, that's natural to us, and I think you know looking at, staring at your screen at a screen at a little little talking faces all day is not as natural. Um, you know, transitions, focus on your transitions more uh, just because it's harder to follow what you're saying. Make sure you summarize more. You want to, you know, you want to look at the, look at the camera, not at the screen. You want to wear clothes that are neutral, avoid stripes and plaids, which can f f uh, show up funny. You see a lot of people struggling with their backgrounds right now or, or their Oh, it's a mess. Up. That's one of my pet peeves. I don't know what the heck is going on with people. It's like they feel like they've got to have backgrounds of the, the, the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, they've got to have the earth there in space. I mean, my God, just because you can do something, doesn't mean you should do something. I mean, I don't yeah, know. And they look weird, weird, like they're all pixelated. It's, it's a strange thing. It's an absolute mess. I just figure, look, tidy up your area and, and that's your nice background. There you go. Mm -hmm. There's your yeah. background. People, people get these virtual backgrounds. I've got a real nice background. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Um, it, lighting is important. People don't, you know, and I don't know, you know, my it, different times of day, you have to do different things. Use, yeah. use lighting. You want to be well lit from above. Um, there are these little lights you can get for your, you know, to hang in your computer. If you're, if you're in a darker spot, you know, all the Instagram models are using them right now, but <laughs> uh, having a good microphone, I mean, even a great microphone only costs 75 bucks. So they're, yeah. they're easy to pick up. Um, you can try standing. People, sorry, Steve. I always tell people they might forgive your video, but they'll never forgive the audio. Right. So true. If you so can't true. be heard clearly, um, it's a no deal. It's not going to happen. 
Yeah. Well, and if you're presenting with slides too, video is really less important because you're just a tiny little square, but the audio and the way you speak is really important. Absolutely. Um, so practice and prep preparation are all the more important, you know? So you have to be focused, use good presentation delivery skills, you know, your belly breathing, your vocal variety, your pausing. Um, in person, you know, you can look super professional and, and carry more gravitas if it, it, it's harder over the phone. You know, you have to actually think more about how do I sound? You know, not, some people, uh, you know, don't, you know, don't have a radio voice, but, are, but have great presence in person. You have to worry about that and kind of think about, do I pause enough when I speak? That sort of thing. Right. Yeah, that's, that's important stuff. You know, I like what you say about practice, Steve. I feel like everybody, you know, I think sales reps in general don't practice their pitch enough whether it's in person or remotely. Uh, for some reason, they feel like they can just go out there and wing it. And they're like, ah, oh, I've done this before. But I think, you know, role play, practice, going through your presentation um, is, is super important, especially with technology where there could be some issues. I think uh, they definitely need to spend more, more time with that. You know, for me, um, I personally love presenting over Zoom. Uh, I, I, I find it great. I find I'm able to actually get more, more appointments, more calls scheduled because of technology. It's kind of easy. Uh, but not everybody's comfortable on camera and not everybody's comfortable with the technology. So I think, you know, the, the big takeaway that I'm getting from what you shared there, Steve, is to be sure that uh, people practice and they get comfortable with it. So that it just becomes, you know, second nature for them. And just to a point that you made, I actually think it might be easier to pull two or three different stakeholders in a company on a Zoom call than it actually is to get them all in, in a physical meeting with, with schedules and stuff. So you know, for me, I'm kind of a no excuses kind of guy. I'm always like, you know, who, who else should join us on this call? Yeah. Who's got a stake uh, in this? Whose voice should be heard? You know, let's just drop them an invite for the Zoom call. Uh, and then you'd mm -hmm. be surprised at how many people you get, you get on there. So I think people need to embrace this and get with it. And it could actually help them out. Yeah. It's so important to get all the right people into the room and keep them focused. That's a big challenge I see salespeople stumbling on right now. Um, objections are really tough right now. I think figuring out who you can't read the room over zoom the way you can in person, right? If someone's leaning back and kind of rolling their eyes in the corner, you can't, you can't figure out, Oh, that guy's got a problem. I've got to, I've got to get ahead of that and figure out, you know, you know, intuit what it is and by, by, you know, how they're reacting and then you know, bring it up proactively and then overcome the objection. I think that's you, that's much more challenging in this environment. I think, one trick to that, to being successful there, is by leveraging your sponsor and really having you know, the person in the room who already wants your, your product or service and mm -hmm. is or helping you organize the meeting and pushing the ball downfield for a complex sale, have that person liaise offline with the different people so that they can uncover what objections there are out there for you. They can proactively bring them up. Um, they can you know tee you up to get to overcome the objection. They can, you know, they can help be your eyes and ears in an organization. I like that, Steve. Yeah, that's great. So how do relationships with your customers change in these times? I mean, how do your sales strategies need to, to change based on the way that you need to sell remotely? I mean, is it business as usual or do we got to, you know, change things up a little bit? What do we need to do? Well, I think in, in, in the new world right now, there's probably, there's less trust, um, not being face to face, there's um, less customer loyalty. Uh, you know, people are looking. People's budgets are tighter. They're looking for for deals. They're they're already stressed. 
Um, sales cycles are becoming longer, I think, because people are more hesitant to spend money. There, there's a lot of uncertainty. People don't know where they're going to be three months from now, so it's harder to make commitments to things. So there's a lot of things uh, that you really uh, that you really need to work against there. Um, so you know, I mean, the relationship with a sponsor is can help you deal with a lot of those things. Um, like we were just talking about, I think that's, that's really important to have them help tee you up to be successful and to facilitate the discussion within the organization. Um, because they, they, you, you, you lose a lot, not having face-to-face interactions and not being able to take people out to dinner or take, mm. go, go meet for a beer. But if they already have those relationships. You can leverage those relationships that they already have to influence the, the, uh, the sales cycle and, and to get the, that, that genuine feedback that you're going to have a tough time getting when you're not face to face. It's, it's harder to build rapport remotely. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why field sales exists and, uh, you know, we, we want to some extent right now. And, you know, as a data point, it's late, late May of 2020, you know, you, you, we've got to work to just tee things up to keep the sales cycles moving forward so that we have a bunch of deals we can knock down and have a, a really successful, Q3. If, uh, if Q2 <laughs> has been kind of screwed here, at least we can tee a whole bunch of things up. Mm, yeah, cool. Okay. Thanks, Steve. I like that. So look, as a, as a sales manager, you, you can't meet with your team the way you, you would before. I mean, that's just the reality. So, you know, what's the best strategy to approach training and coaching in this environment? Um, well, I think that this is a different environment than, uh, than we've seen before. And and really the first thing you need to figure out is what skills, what new skills specifically will your reps need to be successful in this economy? Um, look for the reps in the team that are finding success. Look at the deals you're winning um, and start turning over the stones on those deals and on those reps and in those situations to figure out why, um, why that, why did that work? Why did that not work? Um, you want to you want to see where the like an individual rep has found success, and you want to look to replicate that success across the organization. And one way you can do that is turn those successful reps and people that have figured out something into coaches for your reps that haven't. Um, so what do I mean by that? Um, basically, uh, figure out what needs to happen for your team to sell successfully in the environment. Look for where on your team you are seeing that type of success. And then whoever really figured out that play, have them teach it to everyone else. So, you know, maybe one of your reps figures out that uh, a, a certain segment of your customer base is still buying or their needs have even increased in this time. Um, you know, if they figure out how to fit your product or service into that new need, then they should be the ones that are empowered to train the rest of the team. Um, and that, that could be whether it's selling to a whole new type of customer, uh, or, uh, you know, my, my, you were selling to bars and now you're selling to apartment buildings, which is kind of a silly example, but that, that comes to mind again, you know, you're, you're shifting into a new area and one rep figures that out. You got to have them teach the rest of the reps how to get in front of the apartment buildings and how that sales cycle would work and for, for everyone else. Like, Oh, well, the, every apartment building has a mailing list. And if you can go to make an offer, people are you know happy to, pass on a good deal. So, um, that sort of thing can be effective, but, uh, but I think that, you know, it's key to, 
to, you know, and, and, and this is kind of a play on, uh, it was General Stan McChrystal. He was, you know, the guy who was, he was running a lot of boots in the ground operations in Afghanistan. And he was, he was a big guy on figuring out, you, you got to know the boots in the ground knowledge and you got to have, you got to have the people that are figuring things out there, have the ability to teach other groups in real time. If everything has to run through, you know, one single point up the chain, you can't be as nimble. You can't be, you can't be as, as effective. Great. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, coaching now more than ever is important and just being in touch with your team and just learning from each other and sharing those best practices is, uh, is critical. Figuring out what's working. It's easy to talk about what's not, but we really need to share what, what is working, don't we? Absolutely. Cool. Uh, so, you know, last question, uh, you know, before we wrap up, I mean, we're hearing this a lot. Uh, budgets are frozen. New purchases are on hold. Uh, so how do you keep a sales team motivated uh, when they might get a deal, you know, <laughs> right to the end, right? I mean, how, how do you keep them motivated that, look, if they, if they, if they stick with it, they might get this deal um, right, right to the end. And, and because of lockdowns, just not to be able to, to get uh, deals over the finish line. So how do you keep them focused and motivated and optimistic about the future? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think there's two, two questions that are packed together. How do you motivate a team in this time? And then how, how can you stay successful and, and actually move, move sales cycles downfield with, with customers in this time? And, uh, you know, I think the key to keeping your team motivated is, is, uh, you know, you gotta have the right processes in place, the infrastructure to support them, the technology in place. You've got to have the communication down to, to really, um, you know, make them feel supported, make them understand where things are at, you know, and, and different people are coming from very different places in this, right? I mean, there's some people, they're living with vulnerable family members. Some people have kids at home and they can't, usually those kids would be in school and, and it's, you know, they're trying to work out of their houses. Um, so different, different employees are really, you know, maybe they're the, the, the soul, the soul earner. And like, you know, when you start, when, when, as, as rumors about layoffs are, are bubbling around, they're like, I am so screwed with my huge mortgage and, you know, spouse that doesn't work. And, you know, I, you know, if I get laid off, I am so screwed right now. And like, the, you know, they're going to, whereas someone else might be like, Oh, you know, if I had to sit around for four months, no big deal. Like, you know, I, I, I can fly to Thailand and hang out. Like it, it just, it, it depends. Different people are coming from very different, situations. Um, so in terms of helping your customers, helping move, helping get your customers moving the ball downfield, even in this tough time, you know, if, if a budget is frozen, they're not, you know, like, like you said, they, they're just something, uh, the deals are stuck. How do you unstick them? How do you move them forward in a time when no one wants to do anything? I think you have to, you have to really be able to illustrate your product's value. What is the what is the benefit that this customer will receive by using your product or service by, by making this investment? Um, you know, they, uh, it, it's a, it's a hard time to, to do that because of all the uncertainty, but that if they, even in a hard time, if someone says, well, I'm going to spend $50,000 on this, but I'm going to make an extra $250,000 on this, they're still going to do it. And that's why companies like, Google don't see their, their revenues fall in times like this. And, you know, I was at Google during the last recession in 08 and, you know, it didn't really change a lot for them. Like the, the, their customers kept buying their stuff and kept bidding for the ads because 
they could very easily calculate this is how much we've we get we put on you know we put a thousand dollars into the machine and two thousand dollars comes out so i'm not even in a bad time i'm not going to stop putting that thousand dollars into the machine because every month it's a profitable it's a profitable machine so as you and maybe even more profitable steve it may be even more profitable because you yeah. know a lot of ad rates start going down so <laughs> this is the absolutely perfect time and, and and we've seen that in, in our business, uh, you know, ads are cheaper, but they're cheaper, but they are yielding less. The yield has gone down. So we're kind of in the same place. We haven't stopped spending with Google, you know, so I think that's the, but at the very least you get, you get more impressions. So more people mm-hmm. are going to see you. So this is a great time yeah. for brand building as well. And teeing things up for when the world awakens again. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so having, having those deals ready for, for when things open up. Good stuff. Great. Well, thank you so much, Steve. This has been, uh, you know, really great kind of talking about sales leadership and, and how to lead your team in, uh, in challenging times. So uh, just want to thank you once again for being on the podcast. It was a real pleasure. Uh, real quick, Steve, where can people get a hold of you if they want to find out more? Well, um, the best place to get a hold of me is probably LinkedIn. Uh, you know, the, uh, if, if they're interested in, in Badger Maps and what it does for field sales teams, then the website's the best place to do that, badgermapping.com. Um, you know, for, for enduring listening to me blather on, we'll, we'd be happy to give you 20% or you know, two months off of playing with the, <laughs> playing with the app. But just, just tell, tell the salespeople you had to endure listening to their CEO blather on. They'll, they'll, they'll hook you up. <laughs> Sounds good, Steve. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the best place to, to learn about me. It, my podcast is Outside Sales Talk. For, it's a podcast for outside salespeople specifically. Good stuff. Perfect. So we're going to put uh, a link to Badger Maps, your LinkedIn profile, and the Outside Sales Talk podcast in our show notes. And uh, thanks again for joining us, Steve. It was great. Well, thanks for having me. This has been fantastic.